Hey guys, welcome to the Basking in the Bible podcast. This podcast is all about finding out what the Bible says about a plethora of different topics that are prevalent in today's world and letting the truth and hope of scripture fill your heart and mind in order to encourage you. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to this episode of the Basking in the Bible podcast. Today, we will be reading chapter eight of Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. As I say in every episode of this series, mostly. Um, If you have this book, I encourage you to open it with me. And if you don't, I encourage you to pause the podcast and to, if there's any like introspective questions or um, Bible verses that are mentioned that are not actually quoted in the chapter, I encourage you to pause the podcast and to dwell on anything you think is worthy of dwelling on. Um, especially the verses, but also the introspective questions, if there happens to be any. I don't quite remember because I read this podcast, or read this, read this podcast, read this book, but it was a long time ago, probably more than six months ago now, I think. So, um, I don't quite remember exactly what was in it, especially in each chapter as a whole. I mean, each chapter by themselves, like individually. So we're going to be reading chapter eight, like I said, and the title is called God's Peace, Your Peace. And there's a quote under it that says, you may be facing the perfect storm, but Jesus offers the perfect peace. And this is what the beginning says. When mariners or mariners, I'm not sure how to pronounce that because I didn't really check um, on the dictionary app before I started the episode. So when mariners or mariners describe a tempest that no sailor can escape, they call it a perfect storm. Not perfect in the sense of ideal, but perfect in the sense of combining factors. All the elements such as hurricane force winds plus a cold front plus a downpour of rain work together to create the insurmountable disaster. The winds alone would be a challenge, but the winds plus the cold plus the rain, the perfect recipe for disaster. You'd need to be a fisherman to experience a perfect storm. All you need is a layoff plus a recession, a disease plus a job transfer, a relationship breakup plus a college rejection. We can handle one challenge, but two or three at a time. One wave after another, gale force is followed by thunderstorms. It's enough to make you wonder, will I survive? Paul's answer to that question is profound and concise. Philippians 4-7 says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As we do our part, rejoice in the Lord, pursue a gentle spirit, pray about everything and cling to gratitude, God does his part. He bestows upon us the peace of God. Note, this is not a peace from God. Our Father gives us the very peace of God. He downloads the tranquility of the throne room into our world, resulting in an inexplicable calm. We should be worried, but we aren't. We should be upset, but we are comforted. The peace of God transcends all logic, scheming, and efforts to explain it. This peace of God is... Sorry, this kind of peace is not human achievement. It is a gift from above. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus promises you his vintage of peace. The peace that calmed his heart when he was falsely accused. The peace that steadied his voice when he spoke to Pilate. The peace that kept his thoughts clear and heart pure as he hung on the cross. This was his peace. This can be your peace. 
This peace guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7. God takes responsibility for the hearts and minds of those who believe in him. As we celebrate him and pray to him, he constructs a fortress, fortress around our minds and hearts, protecting us from the attacks of the devil. As the verse from the ancient hymn declares, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortals, mortal Ill, ills prevailing. Martin Luther wrote these words centuries after the Apostle Paul had written his epistles. Yet, had Paul heard the hymn, he would have hung it, hung it, wow, he would have sung it with hearty conviction. He knew firsthand the peace and protection of God. In fact, he had just experienced it in the last major event of his life before his imprisonment, a sea journey from Caesarea to Rome. When he penned the Be Anxious for Nothing paragraph, he had recently endured a storm on the Mediterranean Sea. On his final recorded voyage, Paul was placed on a ship in Caesarea destined for Italy. Luke traveled with him, as did Aristarchus, a Christian brother from Thessalonica. Some prisoners were on the ship, presumably condemned men who were bound for the Roman arena. The ship enjoyed smooth sailing until they reached Sidon. At the next stop, Myra, they changed vessels. They were loaded onto a large Egyptian grain ship. About 100 feet long and weighing perhaps more than a thousand tons, the ships were sturdy but engineered in such a way that they did not sail well into the wind. They reached nearby Nidus. I'm not sure how to pronounce that because there's a sea at the front and I'm not sure if it's silent. So I'm going to go with Nidus with great difficulty. From there, they sailed south under the shelter of Crete until they reached the port of Fair Havens about halfway across the land. Sorry, the island. Fair Havens was not fair on the eyes. It received this name from the Chamber of Commerce, I suppose, in hope of attracting business. The sailors didn't want to stay in Fair Havens. They knew they couldn't reach Rome before winter, but preferred the port of Phoenix. Paul tried to convince them otherwise. They had reason to listen to him because Paul was no stranger to storms at sea and shipwrecks. And then it um, quotes 2 Corinthians 11.25. Actually, it doesn't quote it, but it gives that reference. So I encourage you to stop the podcast right here if you want to dive deep into that verse. One ancient volume described the dangers of sailing at this time of year as scant daylight, long nights, dense cloud cover, poor visibility, and the double raging of winds, showers, and snows. He knew the danger of a winter voyage and issued a strong caution, but in the eyes of the captain, Paul was nothing but a Jewish preacher, so they weighed anchor and set sail for a better harbor. Acts 27, 1-12. That's the next uh, thing that I encourage you to pause the podcast for um, and read, especially because it's 12 verses. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euryclidon, verse 14. I believe that's verse 14 of Acts 27. Um, It doesn't exactly uh, specify that, but I'm pretty sure that's verse 14 of Acts 27. And you can always check if, um, if you're reading through the passages. What a great word, a compound of the Greek term euros, the east wind, and the Latin word akilo, the north wind. Some translations call this wind what it was, a northeaster. The temperature dropped, the sails whipped, the waves frothed, the sailors searched for land and couldn't see it. They looked at the storm and couldn't avoid it. The components of the perfect storm were gathering. A winter sea, a ferocious wind, a cub... Excuse me, wow, I just ate something, so (laughs) I'm like burping a lot but that's tmi so i'm not even going to 
talk about that. Uh, a cumbersome boat, an impatient crew. Individually, these elements were manageable, but collectively they were formidable, so the crew did what they could. They hoisted the lifeboat aboard and frat the vessel. They lowered the sea anchor, jettisoned cargo, and threw equipment overboard, but nothing worked. Verse 20 reads like a death sentence. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. The perfect storm took its toll. It lasted for 14 days verse 27 says it lasted for 14 days 14 hours would shake you 14 minutes would undo me but two weeks of sunless days and starless nights 14 days of bouncing climbing toward the heavens and plunging toward the sea the ocean boomed splashed and rumbled the sailors lost all appetite for food they lost all reason for hope they gave up and when they gave up paul spoke up this is verse 21 and 22 of acts 27 i believe but actually yeah, it is. Okay. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and lost. And, and lost. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. And then the next page says, What a contrast. The mariners who knew how to sail in storms gave up hope. Paul, a Jewish preacher who presumably knew very little about sailing, became the courier of courage. What did he know that they didn't? Better question, what did, he, what did he say that you need to hear? Are you bouncing about in a northeaster? Like the sailors, you've done all you can to survive. You've tightened the ship, lowered the anchor. You've consulted the bank, changed your diet, called the lawyers, called your supervisor, tightened your budget. You've gone for counseling, rehab, or therapy, yet the sea churns with angry foam. Is fear coming at you from all sides? Then let God speak to you. Let God give you what he gave the sailors. Perfect peace. Paul began with a rebuke. Men, you should have listened to me. We don't like to be rebuked, corrected, or chastened. But what, or chastened, I'm not sure. I think it's chastened. But when we ignore God's warnings, a scolding is in order. Did you, are you in a storm of anxiety because you didn't listen to God? He told you that sex outside of marriage would result in chaos, but you didn't listen. He told you that the borrower is a slave to the lender, but you took on the dangerous debt. He told you to cherish your spouse and nourish your kids, but you cherished your career and nourished your vices. He cautioned you about the wrong crowd and the, wrong, and the strong drink and the long hours, but you did not listen, and now you are in a storm of your own making. If this describes you, receive God's rebuke. He corrects those he loves, and he loves you, so stand corrected. Confess your sin and resolve to do better. Be wiser next time. Learn from your poor choice, but don't despair. While this story contains one rebuke, it also contains three promises that can give us peace in the middle of a storm. Heaven has helpers to help you. Paul said, There stood by me th this night an angel. Verse 23. On the deck of a sinking ship in a raging storm, Paul received a visitor from heaven. An angel came and stood beside him. Angels still come and help us. Recently, after a church service, one of our members approached me in the reception line. Her eyes were full of tears and wonder as she said, I saw your angel. You did? Yes, he stood near you as you preached. I find comfort in that thought. I also find many scriptures to support it. All the angels are spirits who serve God and are sent to help those who will receive salvation. Hebrews 1.14 the prophet Daniel experienced the assistance of angels. He was troubled. He resolved to pray. After three weeks, so much for one-shot attempts at prayer, Daniel saw a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes on fire. His arms and legs resembled burnished bronze. His voice was like the roar of a multitude. Daniel 10, 5-6 
Daniel was so stunned he fell to the ground. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the ar archangels, or archangels, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, or I, I do know how to pronounce that, but I forgot, came to help me and I lift and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. Verses 12 through 14. The moment Daniel began praying, the answer was issued. Demonic forces blocked the pathway of the angel. The impasse lasted a full three weeks until the arch archangel Michael arrived on the scene with all his superior authority. The standoff was ended and the prayer was answered. Have your prayers been met with a silent sky? Have you prayed and heard nothing? Are you floundering in the land between an offered and an answered prayer? Do you feel the press of Satan's mortar and pestle? If so, I beg you, don't give up. What the angel said to Daniel, God says to you. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Daniel 10:12. You have been heard in heaven. Angelic armies have been dispatched. Reinforcements have been rallied. God promises I will contend with him who contends with you. Isaiah 49:25. Do what Daniel did, remain before the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. An angel protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Daniel 3, 23-26. They can protect you. An angel escorted Peter out of prison. Acts 12, 5-9. They can walk you out of your bondage. He, God, has put his angels in charge of you to watch over you wherever you go. Psalm 91:11. Heaven has helpers for you, and heaven has a place for you. Paul knew this, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong. Acts 27:23. When parents send their kids to summer camp, they have no they have no sign certain they have to sign certain documents. One of the documents set, asks who is the responsible party? If Johnny breaks his arm or Susie breaks out with measles, who will be responsible? Hopefully, Mom and Dad are willing to sign their names. God signed his. When you gave your life to him, he took responsibility for you. He guarantees your safe arrival into his port. You are, you are his sheep. He is your shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. John 10, 14. You are a bride. He is your bridegroom. The church is being prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21, 2. You are his child. He is your father. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Galatians 4, 7. You can have peace in the midst of the storm because you are not alone. You belong to God and you are in the Lord's service. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Acts 27, 23. God had given Paul an assignment, carry the gospel to Rome. Paul had not yet arrived at Rome, so God was not yet finished with him. Since God was not yet finished, Paul knew he would survive. Most of us don't have a clear message like Paul's, but we do have the assurance that we will not live one day less than we are supposed to live. If God has work for you to do, if God has work for you to do, he will keep you alive to do it. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Psalm 139:16. No life is too short or too long. You will live your prescribed number of days. You might change the quality of your days, but not the quantity. I'm not saying you will have no more problems in your future. Quite the contrary. Paul had his share, and so will you. Look at verse 12. Not 
verse 12. Look at verse 22. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. It is not easy to lose your ship. Your ship is the vessel that carries, sustains, protects, and supports you. Your boat is your marriage, your body, your business. Because of your boat, you stayed afloat. And now without your boat, you think you will sink. You're correct. You will for a while. Waves will sweep over you. Fear will suck you under like a Pacific riptide. But take heart, says Paul. Take heart, says Christ. In this world, you will have trouble, but be brave. I have defeated the world. John 16, 33. You can lose it all only to discover that you haven't. God has been there all along. God has never promised a life with no storms, but he has promised to be there when we face them. Consider the compelling testimony of Jehoshaphat. He ascended the throne at the age of 35 and reigned for 25 years. According to the book of 2 Chronicles, the Moabites formed a great and powerful confederacy with the surrounding nations and marched against Jehoshaphat. It was a military conversion of a perfect storm. The Jews could handle one army, but when one army allies with another and those two combined with a third, it was more than the king could handle. Jehoshaphat's response deserves a spot in the anxiety treatment textbook. He set himself to seek the Lord. 2 Chronicles 23. 23. I want to like emphasize that. So if you aren't familiar with the Bible, you will be able to go to the right spot. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 3. He cried out to God in prayer. Verses 6 through 12. He confessed, we have no power, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Verse 12. God responded with this message. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 15. Jehoshaphat so totally believed in God that he made the remarkable decision of marching into battle with singers in front. I'm confident the people who signed up for the choir never imagined they would lead the army. But Jehoshaphat, sorry, I stuttered. Wow. Jehoshaphat knew the real battle was a spiritual one, so he led with worship and worshipers. By the time they reached the battlefield, the battle was over. The enemies had turned on each other, and the Hebrews never had to raise a sword. Verses 21 through 24. Learn a lesson from the king. Lead with worship. Go first to your father in prayer and praise. Confess to him your fears. Gather with his people. Set your face toward God. Fast. Cry out for help. Admit your weakness. Then, once God moves, you move too. Expect to see the God of ages fight for you. He is near as near as your next breath. Noah Drew Drew can tell you. He was only two years old when he discovered the protective presence of Jesus. The Drew family was making the short drive from their house to their neighborhood pool. Lee Anna, the mom, was driving so slowly that the automatic door locks did not engage. Noah opened his door and fell out. She felt the bump as if she had driven over a speed bump and braked to a quick stop. Her husband, Ben, jumped out of the car and found Noah on the pavement. He's alive, Ben shouted and placed him on a seat. Noah's legs were covered in blood and he was shaking violently. Leanna hurried over to the passenger seat and held Noah on her lap as Ben drove to the ER. Incredibly, the test showed no broken bones. A 5,000-pound vehicle had run over his legs, yet little Noah had nothing but cuts and bruises to show for it. Later that night, Leanna dropped to her knees and thanked Jesus for sparing her son. She then stretched out on the bed next to him. He was asleep, at least she thought he was. As she was lying beside him in the dark, he said, Mama, Jesus catched me. She said, He did? Noah replied, I told Jesus thank you, and he said, you're very welcome. The next day, he gave some details. Mama, Jesus has brown hands. He catched me like this. He held his arms outstretched, cupping his little hands. The next day, he told her that Jesus has brown hair. When she asked him for more information, he said, that's all, in a very nonchalant manner. But when he said his prayers that night, he said, thank you, Jesus, for catching me. 
Northeasters bear down on the best of us. Contrary winds, crashing waves, they come. But Jesus still catches his children. He still extends his arms. He still sends his angels. Because you belong to him, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. The same Jesus who sent the angel to Paul sends this message to you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isaiah 43.2 You may be facing the perfect storm, but Jesus offers the perfect peace. That was chapter 8 of Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, then I encourage you to follow this podcast on Spotify and or Anchor. And one thing that I want to mention before I end this podcast is the fact that, um, yes, we are all children of God. I wanted to mention this because it talked about it in the book at the end of the chapter. We are all God's children because he made us but um you are not you are not chosen for heaven if you have not given your life to Christ and you are not um you are not following Jesus wholeheartedly so um i encourage you to reach out to someone if you are thinking about Jesus and are curious about anything Bible related, Jesus related. Um, my Instagram is simply Kenna. It has some um, hashtags and like dots in the username, so I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it since I've told you that. Um, but it's simply Kenna, and um, yeah, I think I think it's simply Kenna. Do I not even know? Hold on. I gotta check this because I don't want to get it wrong and I don't want to like... No, it's not. Okay. It's Love Kenna. And it has two, I believe two or three dashes and at least one dot, maybe two. But um, anyway, if you want to request to follow me on Instagram or send me a message um, about anything Bible related, anything... Um, Jesus related, any questions you have, uh, if you have questions about how to be saved, then just let me know and I will try to get back to you. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and I will be back soon for the next podcast episode. Bye guys. Mm-hmm.